right. I, I like that you said that. Yeah, absolutely right. Absolutely right. It looks different. And, you know, even Jeremiah, thank you for, for putting that in the comments. You know, men's emotions has, have been seen in society as acceptable. 100%. You're right. And because, like you said, maybe sometimes our expression of those emotions looks differently. They're categorized differently. So if a man raises his voice, he's not emotional. It's just, he's just being a man. Right. He's just getting loud. He's just getting stern. And so I think, you know, for me, it just continues to go back down to like, when do we break down those um, those stereotypes and break down those barriers that we continue to place on ourselves? Because that's all it does when we when we have conversations that, again, I keep going back to the fact that it seems like it's a broad stroke. But for me, it, it isn't. It's very limiting to me. And I think that's the that's the thing that that's got me wanting to, like, break out the box. It's like, well, you know, because I've been told that I'm actually not emotional. You know, I was told, you know, by in a previous relationship that, you know, be, be a woman. And I'm like, well, what does that mean? Because you don't see me always breaking down crying. Like I'm again, so so let's let's have a, a real conversation. Are we talking about um, having emotions or are we talking about emotional regulation? You know what I mean? I'm sorry, that's an educator coming out. But I'm just saying, like, let's be specific. Let's be clear about what we're really talking about. Like, let's not have a conversation about women being emotional beings again as we are are human unless you you know and yes i know there are people with different learning differences and things like that who might not experience them in the same way but part of being human actually is the fact that we all are emotional beings so what we're really talking about is emotional regulation and what we've been told what we've been told and what we've taken on is the fact that women we don't regulate our emotions um in a, in a positive way but i don't i don't even think that that's especially true especially women of color Especially, especially women, of women of color, especially black women. Like, let's be real clear here. Absolutely. Especially black women. Especially black women. You know. Okay. Uh, I have so y'all have said a lot. I'm, I'm listening to y'all. I'm not. I'm not really. You know. I'm taking that backseat role right now. Um, and I think it's interesting. You know, to what Terrence's point was was with having that second video. I actually really thought that y'all would all be like, yeah, that's right. Y'all need to listen to us. Like, or, you know, I feel seen. I saw somebody say, I feel seen today, seen Saturdays or whatever. And, um, oh, Kalita was siding with the girl. See, he sees me. She yeah. Well, I, well, what's interesting about that is that I actually thought that that would have been more of a agreed upon thought because I think a lot of times men don't see women in that way. I think like, like he was saying, I actually kind of more so agree with him is that we're like, well, if you have this, you have this, you have that. As far as what I can see, you should be fine. But like that that thought process of, well, if you have a have a thought, if you have a feeling or whatever the feeling might be, validating that feeling first, or at least hearing that feeling first and unraveling or unpacking that feeling first, I do think there's some validity to that. I think that there's something, there's a lot of things that I can own in that. And so, which brings me to my next thought, I guess. Um, what, as, as far as ownership, when is the last time you, you took ownership in your perspective relationships give it can you give a scenario of when you've taken ownership in a uh in your previous relationship or your current relationship taking ownership go ahead ownership in any way like like uh, your husband says hey man well, i don't know whatever the situation is or your previous spouse says Oh, you do this a lot, right? Let's for, for instance, like you know, you 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 command, you take the commanding role a lot, and I want to I want to take that role, and and let's say for instance, he says that to you, do you be like, if it's true, do you are you more likely to be like, I you know what, I own that, I do I do that sometimes, or are you more push back on 
I don't do that. I, and maybe have a little less self, self-awareness about the, those type of things. Like, where are you on the spectrum of taking ownership in your relationships? Well, I'll say, okay, I'm sorry, go ahead. Talk <laughs> I was just gonna say, I know for me that, you know, my husband has said before in times that like I, like he feel, he will feel like I'm I'm listening to him to like respond and then like I'll like cut him off as opposed to like really like truly like listening. So um, I know that's something that I will take ownership in that I'm just trying to work on in general. Like like it'll be like interject to like get my say my point, and it's like that's not my intention to do it. Like I'm usually doing it because I don't want to forget like when I what I have to say. But I'm learning and I'm like being more aware of it where I'm like, I'll stop myself in it. I do it in all my relationships. Even my sisters were telling me, you know, Riley Tony mm-hmm. could tell me about my sis, mm-hmm. um, that I do it. And it's not like intentional, but I have to still own and understand the impact that it can have on someone else, you know, when they're trying to tell me something so that and they want me to listen and hear them, then I'm chiming in saying like, you know, almost like I'm trying to make a connection or say my point with it. But for some people and for my husband, um, for him, it feels like, you know, I'm not really truly hearing him. Like I'm listening just to respond and, you know, give my point. So that's something that I will say I've taken ownership in and tried to actively work on. Okay. Jeremiah tried to help me out and say it it a better way. He said, are you able to have proper self-awareness? But either way, yeah, self-awareness or ownership. Uh, somebody else had something? I, I don't know. Mike, what do you? No, I was, I was about to comment off of that. So I, I appreciate you saying that because it made me think back to uh, the lady from the video, and she had mentioned something about, like, making assumptions. And um, even somebody in the comments had mentioned, like, hey, I, I have an assumption um, that initially starts the conversation to, like, break down, like, communication and get to a, a level of, like, understanding of what this assumption is. The problem is what happens uh, well, broad strokes like with women sometimes or even with men. Um, <clears throat> we get into a conversation where, where we come into it with assumptions. And then once those assumptions are cleared up, it's already like stamped in your head that you're like you still have this narrative that's being built out. And you're not even hearing the, the other person's side of it. You're not even hearing, hey, I literally just cleared that up in this conversation. Did you not just hear it? Like, no, but. You did this, that, and the third, and blah, blah, blah. And I and I think it's a matter of like being able to orient the conversation at that point or orient the information that you're receiving uh, after you've like cleared up that level of communication. Say, for instance, um, you know, hey, um, you were, I heard you was hanging out. I know you were hanging out with your boys last night, but I heard it was some women there or whatever like that, and you were talking to somebody. It's like, well, this is what happened. This is where I was, this, that, and the third, blah, blah, blah. It's like, nah, but I think, what ended up happening was blah, 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 X, Y, Z. It was like, yo, like I, I literally just cleared that up. Like, so so being able to orient and say, oh, okay, he just cleared that up. Cool, take it left and we can go from there and clear this up. Um, so I, I think my point that I was trying to make was like, cool, I, I, uh, Nafisa, I appreciate you saying that because like sometimes people take those assumptions and just continue to egg it, just continue to go on with it without like take into consideration, like, hey, logically, okay, we clear that up, cool, let's move on. Before we before we move on to everybody else answering, I want to ask another kind of parenthetical question. Do you think most women, or at least the women here on this panel, do you have a problem hearing your husband when he brings situations to you, or hear, previously hearing your husband when he brings situations? Like Nafisa was was saying, do you or do you or do you interject too quickly sometimes, or do you sometimes feel like, oh, 
I actually listen to him every time and I'm actually very quiet and I, I wait for him to finish his thoughts and I'm ready to receive all that he has. And then once he's done talking, I'm ready to give my full view to my husband. Like, you know, which which way are, are you guys here on this panel? Now, John, I'll be honest with you. You know, it's not sunshine and rainbows like that. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> definitely, I'm not even, I wouldn't even sit here and lie and say that I, I, I'm always just sitting quiet and I let him, you know, speak his piece without saying anything. And I just be like, okay, darling, yeah, sure, I'll work on that. It absolutely <laughs> doesn't go like that. Right. To, to be honest, now, I will I will hear him out. Now, I, I am not quick to own things just from the sense of, I want to know that it's not just being said to say. Like, are you saying this because it's rooted in something? So I prefer to like hear everything you want to dialogue to me about it before I know that that's something I need to internalize and work on. Because sometimes, and, and the reason I'm saying that is because like, so it, let's let's just say even like if you're in an argument, right? Sometimes. Whether it's petty or not, sometimes you just may say something to get under the other person's skin. So it doesn't necessarily have validity. You're just saying what you're saying because you want to, I might have jabbed you, so you're trying to jab me back. So like when something is being said about something, I may need to, you know, that's a self-check moment. Like, is this something I need to own? Is this something I need to work on? I'll be like, really? I did that? Okay, when? And not in a combative way per se, but like, like you know, when? Like, so... What what happened? For one, because I want to hear your full perspective, and I want to hear what it's rooted in. Because I want to make sure that what what's actually being said is how you meant to communicate it. Like that, I'm not just assuming that I understand what it is that you're saying that I, I'm you know need to work on. I could take a tagline and run with it, but I have a completely different meaning in my head than the way that it's trying to be presented or come across. If that makes sense. So I want to, like, I'll ask like questions, clarifying questions, because now I need to know, okay, so if this really is a thing, I need to hear everything that you may have to say about it. I'm like, you know what? Actually, you're right. I'll own that. Like, I'll, so it's a journey for me. Like, you can't just say something to me, and that's really anybody. It's not just Devin, my husband. It's not just him. Like, that's anybody, friends, coworkers, anybody. Like, you can't just say anything to me, and I'll just own that. Because if so, then you really could find yourself, like, owning other people's insecurities, owning other people's, like, all the stuff that they're trying to project yeah. onto you, and that could be a whole nother thing. Oh, yeah, I agree there. So, oh, so, you know what I'm saying? So Angie needs receipts. That's I about. That's the bottom line. Okay. You need Tell receipts. receipts <laughs> before I be like, actually, you know, yeah, we, I can't work on that. And before before it goes any, I know it's about to go another direction, but before it does, I want Edwina and Dr. Tony to yeah, also answer that same question. That's what I was about before, to say. Before we, before we go Thank somewhere. You. Go ahead. Um, so I'm very reflective and I don't mind taking ownership if I, you know, was wrong and whatever. I think one, it depends on how the I'm approached. Um, like Angie was saying, like how you're coming to me with that conversation um, with the assumption, you know, like if you're like real loud about it, like you almost on like a defensive um, mode will kind of take place. But I know for me, I kind of do the same thing. I ask questions. Like I, I need to know like the full picture of what exactly is it that I'm being, you know, accused of or whatsoever. Um, and, you know, if it's something where, you know, I'll take my time, I will reflect on it. If you're able to give me those specific, you know, dates and times in which I did something <laughs> that you continue to um, say is something that I did. Another and receipt. I, you know, I reflect on it. I was like, you know what? You are absolutely correct. 
you know, yeah. and I will, I will, um, you know, I will confirm it or whatsoever. I will take ownership of it. And then I might ask um, a question of like, well, how can we go from here? Like, what's the solution? So that's, for me, I see conversation as, especially like if it's a concern, if it's something uh, that has to do with me, I ask the question, what is it that you want to see differently? You know, like what's the, what's the outcome that you're looking for? Um, and I feel like if it's like effective communication and, and, and that's why we're, we're taking this journey, if we're looking for um, some sort of an outcome, that's something that we can, we can do together, ask those questions and go forward. But when he brings it, just out, just want to add a last question. When he brings it to you, you listen to the entire. You listen to him. You don't interject or you don't interrupt. You just listen. That's, that's what. So that's saying. what I'm saying. It's the way in which he approaches it. So, so, so your if, situation if he's coming at me like, well, I heard that da 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 da, or yeah. you always, you know, and and it's it's the way in which you approach me. Like, don't come at me in a way like you're trying to fight. Because you want you about to swing. Defensive wet. Yeah. Like, yeah. Wait a minute now. Hold on. <laughs> Like, you know, so, but if it's something like, hey, babe, I realized that um, it's something that's really bothering me and da da da. And I'm like, oh, you know, then I will open up and, and hear you out the full um, concern or whatsoever. I don't have a problem with that. All right. So I'm going to let Dr. I'll Tony answer that. Adam. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry again. I was just saying, I'll hear you out if the receipts add up. I'll be honest. If the receipts don't add up, I'm interjecting. So he got to write, he got to write, take, he got to take notes. He got to take notes. You got to ask me. You know, I was, hold on, but hold on, hold on. I was like that, like. I was, I want, I want Dr. Tony to answer before, and then, uh, what I want to do is that Dr. Tony, I mean, Dr. Tony had that logic, that logic is important at that point. Dr. Tony answer, and then I do want to pivot after Mike speaks, I do want to pivot to, so if the person doesn't come correct, even though they are right with that, the gate ownership. Go ahead, Dr. Tony. Yeah. So, um, you know, a couple of things I've been thinking about. One thing I've been thinking about to your question you just asked around, like, you know, not interrupting. And again, I, I have to sometimes remember that, like, with the work that I do, I work so hard on communicating. And so sometimes other people might not be there. So I say that to say, you know, when I'm thinking about, like, cutting people off and interjecting, for me as someone who studied communication, you know, you also have to think about past experiences. When I grew up culturally, we engaged in crosstalk. And that was not seen as, you know, being disrespectful. So when I saw adults talking, it was like, yeah, I went to them all. Really? You, you know, there was so much back and forth. There was so many clarifying questions that were being asked. That's the way that I grew up seeing adults communicate with one another. So I've had to work at actually, you know, engaging in serial testimony where one person speaks and then the next person speaks. So, I, you know, I just point that out because I think a lot of times, again, to elevate this conversation a bit, when we're talking about communication and what's seen as disrespectful or negative, we really have to go back to, well, what are folks, you know, prior experiences? We know that they're bringing those experiences with them to relationships. So like in terms of, you know, also answering your question around ownership, my sisters on here, Wina and Nafisa know I'm like ownership queen. Like they will tell be quick to be like, yeah, yeah, I own that. But to Angie's point, honestly, I think it's a slippery slope when we do get into just owning each and everything, right? Because that will have you thinking that as a black woman that I'm aggressive when I'm passionate or when I'm assertive or when I'm direct, right? So people, you know, you're right. People can't just place any label on me, but I will own my actions. So if you said, Tony, you raised your voice. Yes, I did. <laughs> you're right. I did. I could have probably, you know, been a little, a little lower with my voice, a little softer with my tone. But what we're not going to do is is label me any old kind of way. And I'm going to take that on because then that impacts my my self-identity. Um, and I'm not having that. So 
That's yeah, because I, I like I, I hate the labeling thing from for both men and men and women, and I think also the labeling thing also that's where I think you lead into a conversation with an assumption. So, like in a in an argument with with a, with a partner, you you lead in with, with this, um, you don't care about me, and so what that comes in is as an assumption, instead of sticking it or tabling it to the action. When you did this, I did not feel cared for. And so that was one point, point I wanted to make earlier. And I remember Angie was talking about, she, she, she made a point and I wanted to say, I wanted to interject and say, well, why don't you do it that way? Because what I'm learning in therapy is I'm, we're actually in my therapy, it's unpacking bad communication habits across the board that could be applicable to multiple points and multiple things in my life. Why do I just stop you from talking instead of pause Give you two minutes, put it on the clock, you get it out, and then I take over. And then we, we have a conversation. Or say, you know what? We need to stop right here because we're both too emotional. We need to walk away, spend 30 minutes, and come back. And these are like tools. And so my thing is, mm-hmm. we, we learn these tools, and pre, hopefully, in premarital counseling or whatever it is, and then we throw them out the window and we undergo our relationships instead of, pick, of utilizing healthy communication tools that will make us better. And my second point with that is, and I'm, I and I wanted to ask, I'm wondering because I, I feel like maybe you four women are unicorns, and that's great if you all are, <laughs> but I'm wondering, uh, like, and in, in like all, in all seriousness, how does our level of academic uh, academia play in this? How does me being an educator and play in my level of emotional maturity? Because if have I have have I not have to work on this mm-hmm. as a career path? And as a career, like, makes sense. I would not be able to take some of these, not perfect, but apply some of these in my relationships because it's just, I'm just more educated. And so I, I'm wondering if that, if does that play away? Like, like, if we are some of our past experiences, even with people, we also are some of past experiences with what we're being taught to communicate, even like, as, like, as Dr. Tony said, in our career path. Well, this joint works at home. Right, like how I, how I, like legitimately, legit, I have to watch my communication with my female colleagues versus my male colleagues. I'm not, I'm not saying I, if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I'm wondering if I say this in this kind of way to this black female teacher, because when she walks in this room, she's, she does not leave that she's a black female when she walks into that building. And if I package it this, this statement this way, what, how is it going to be received by her, or at least I'm cognizant of that. So I got to say, I might yeah. say, hey, meet me in my office. Hey, come talk to me in my office real quick. I don't want to voice this via email because it's going to be received a totally different kind of way. And so I'm, I'm, I'm just yeah. wondering you know, that kind of question. So so I I would answer that to say, yes, like educational background does matter. Um, uh, prime example, like I, I work in IT and there's this stigma where a lot of guys, whether they're administrators, whether they're engineers, um, they don't know how to properly communicate. Like people are so focused on the computers and being able to, uh, you know, uh, uh, fix a computer, being able to fix a server, whatever the case, but being able to tell somebody what you did in an instructional manner or like, uh, um, you know, just being able to write up simple emails, stuff like that. There's a stigma where folks don't know how to do that. And even in like personal person, like in-person conversations, uh, uh, I noticed like conversations happen, like uh, what, what Dr. Tony was saying about the uh, what you call it, cross communication or something yeah, like that. Where like mm-hmm. you're 
Crosstalk, right. So, so I grew up where like, I have to like, listen to what somebody's saying before I can interject and have that conversation so we can effectively communicate together. But to experience that in the workplace, I initially took that as disrespect. I'm like, yo, like you keep cutting me off, chill. Like, you know, let me, uh, let me get my thought out first before you decide to respond to me. Cause now you're just talking to me, like you're talking to respond rather than like talking to like actually respond to what I'm saying. You're talking just to get out your thought or whatever. Um, and what I've also noticed is like, I had to catch myself in a way of like bringing that type of com uh, communication home. Because if I'm, if I'm at work more uh, than I am at home, then I can tend to mold my sense of communication uh, around what I experience from day to day at work, bring that home. And now I'm cutting my wife off. You know what I'm saying? Like, like in conversation, I, I, I constantly have to make sure I'm balancing that and doing like, uh, like self-assessment to say, or, or have self-awareness to say, okay, compartmentalize this at work. This is how we talk at work. Compartmentalize this. This is how we talk at home. Um, so to answer your question, Terrence, yes. Like, I think educational background matters. Um, uh, uh, as far as like what you do for career matters because like people communicate differently in those different arenas. I would say before I let the um, other lady speak before that, I would even say uh, how you were brought up um, matters even more than how you interact as an adult. Um, a lot of the value systems that we've kind of created were cemented in how we were raised. And a lot of why we think we're right was how we were raised. And so I think, when we talk about conversations of how people fight properly or fairly, uh, my kids right now are learning how to communicate from how my wife and I in interact or communicate. Literally right now, they're four and one. But as we're getting older and we maybe we do it incorrectly or correctly, they're forming their world around communication based off of what we do, how we live, how we interact with each other. So I didn't, I grew up, I don't know how you guys grew up, my parents didn't fight a lot in front of me. So I think I was at a disadvantage by that because I didn't learn how to fight properly. I think my parents tried mm -hmm. to shield me from that. Therefore, when I got married and started fighting, I was like, oh, you don't, when you're married, you don't fight. So we need to get a divorce. So like, that's literally how my brain worked because it's like no fight should happen because my parents never fought and they had a great marriage. So therefore we fight and we have a bad marriage. Oh, wow. So it's a very obviously like um, reduced way of saying the same thing, but I think as, as a bottom line, when you're talking about um, interactions between spouses, I think it's important of how you're raised. And I, I, I think it, it sounds great, of course, to be like uh, emotional and um, calculated or measured, but obviously that's impossible, right? Like when you're emotional, you're emotional. Mm -hmm. So you, you may fight in front of your kids and all that stuff. But what I'm trying to learn how to do is if I am to have an argument in front of my kids, how do I not do that in a way that is aggressive and mean? Mm -hmm. right and get loud and yeah. all that other stuff like because i don't want my that daughters was... now to go find a husband yeah. mm -hmm. that they identify that quality as oh that's what my dad was that's what, therefore that's what i need to have so i'm trying to unlearn that within my own household wow yeah. that's, that's good, good. <laughs> that's real good mm -hmm. um, i think people sorry. Go, ahead. go ahead i'm sorry go ahead no i was just going to kind of piggyback on that like people are just everyone is are products of their environment you know innately and then also just just unconsciously often and i think everybody for the most part usually is trying their very best to show up as their best self but it's like you you go off what you see what you how you grew up and you have to unlearn those behaviors that may have had a negative impact 
Um, you know, just as Tony talked about, she's done a lot of self-work and it starts with that self-work and being able to like recognize and be a being able to self-reflect and know when you're in that moment to kind of like stop yourself when you're going right into that habit of what you've already known, what you just have known and seen to do out of habit, but realizing that, okay, it's not serving me. It's not serving my relationship, this relationship. How, what work do I need to do to unlearn this, to try to be more aware and, you know, to work on it? Because we're all a work on, in progress. No one is perfect. But I think like when you're showing up in these conversations and kind of just like Tony kept saying, just being human and kind of understanding where the other person is coming from. Because a lot of times we're all just doing our, our best or trying our best. And maybe you're not a good listener because you didn't learn how to be a good listener. Maybe you're not an effective communicator because you didn't see effective communication growing up. But it's like, okay, but then it also comes to a point where you do have to have that ownership and say, okay, yeah, I can only use that for so long. And it's like, yeah, we understand that that's not what you've seen and you you didn't learn that behavior. But it's like, OK, now we need to fix it because it's become, you know, it can be it can, it's become toxic or toxic or it's become where it's not um, helping or bringing positive light or growth into your relationship or marriage, whatever type of relationship that it may um, may be. So it really just starts with self and that self-work and um, self-realization. And I think when you do that self-work, you can, you're able to take on that ownership more and maybe stop in the moment to see like, okay, not that you're going to take on and, and have somebody label you, but you also have mm -hmm. to be able to realize like, okay, like this is something that I've continuously done. And maybe it's not intentional. This is not my intent, but I see that this is not um, having a positive impact on this relationship, what can I do to kind of fix this and try to be more aware of it? Right. More, more things are caught than taught. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. more things are caught than taught. And it, it, we, we do this thing in school where it's the intended curriculum versus the unintended curriculum. And so while you're teaching this lesson, mm -hmm. but what else, what else are you giving off? And so mm -hmm. a lot of times with our parents, they're teaching you things, hey, don't do this. Hey, don't do this, don't do this. But in the background, what they're not saying, you're still catching, you're still catching too and sometimes the un the unintended curriculum can can last a little bit harder and last mm -hmm. a little bit longer and than what you intended yeah. to give off yeah, yeah. yeah and i think that's why it's important um you know one thing that i try to do i try to do in my relationship and i definitely try to do in the work that i do around having difficult conversations is is to stay in conversation i think that that is for me one of the most important things because as nafisa already pointed out you know, we're all doing the best with the tools we've been given, right? And so at the end of the day, for me, what's most important is not that if you show up to, you know, a conversation with me yelling, and I know that this, this is me now, because before I would pop off back at you, but I've done enough work to where I'm like, mm, let me look beyond this behavior and see what's actually going on here, right? So I can sit and listen through some of that sometimes, right? It depends on, you know, what's going on. But my point is, even if I can't, I might say, let's come back to it. I think the most important thing is that no matter what type of uh, relationship we're talking about, whether it's a romantic one, a work relationship or friendship, that we keep returning to the conversation. We keep returning to the drawing board because too often what I've seen and what I've experienced is there being, um, let's say, a mismatch in communication styles and then folks shutting down the conversation because they labeled it as, you know, disrespect. Like I said, if, if, if I'm coming to a conversation and what I've seen is crosstalk and and when uh, Dr. Um, 
Mike was talking earlier, you know, you were talking about at work, you, you see it as, you know, disrespectful. Maybe someone, you know, is listening to respond, but the way I grew up is, well, all communication is listening to like, you know, respond, right? But it's not in a way that I think sometimes is negatively painted because I am hearing you. That's how I'm able to respond to what you're saying. We're engaging. Like that's the way that I grew up seeing communication and you know, in different relationships and recognizing that not everyone grew up seeing people communicate that way. I've had to do the yeah. self work to say, you know what, when I'm communicating with this person, I, I have to show up in this way. Yes, it's authentically me, but also in order for it to be effective, I've got to make sure that I'm giving that person, you know what I mean, what it is that they need to hear me as well in that moment. And I think that that, you know, for me is paramount. Again, just stay in communication with each other and not shut it down because you know we're, we're so quick to to write people off. It happens all the time, not just with men and women, but I see it in my work when dealing with you know difficult conversations around race, right? You know when we see folks saying things. Oh, I mean, think about it. That's how a lot of times black and brown folks are labeled in certain ways because of the way we communicate collectively when we put men and women together. So that goes back just to my point about you know elevating and broadening this like truly making this conversation broad because at the end of the day we're choosing to talk about men and women i think that that is a, a really you know helpful conversation to have and when we think about it we're really just talking about people communicating with each other and how can we all show up better you know for one another i love it yeah, yeah. i think quality I think quality relationship i'm sorry yeah i was saying um quality relationships aren't built overnight um and they aren't just ready-made and because we live in a ready-made society, a microwave society where everything is like constantly given to us, like right now, um, people tend to not want to put in the work, but understanding like building quality relationships takes building and it takes time. It takes effort. Um, and it, and it's our responsibility as individuals to be able to, um, um, to, to, to put in the work, like to put in the work, to build those quality relationships, um, to effectively, like, not just, like regardless of whatever relationship you're in, whether it's you know a work relationship, whether it's a uh, 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 like a relationship with a, a spouse or like just with a friendship, it doesn't matter. Like if you want something quality out of it, you got to put in the work to be able to do that. A hundred percent. And even going into this idea, like you guys have actually named a lot of good things, um, even related to this podcast. Because of course, the things that have been more viral have been the things that are more like, oh, she said this or she said that, and it was already viral last week. And we talk about it here on the podcast. This is not a viral conversation because this is the work, right? Like having those actual conversations about, well, why do you think that way and why do you think that way? Uh, a lot of times, Terrence will send us or we'll send each other these TikToks because, in some ways, for us, these things that they're saying, they either illuminate to us or they, they we believe that they're shedding light on something that we don't understand. Mm -hmm. So like when a woman like what we showed earlier says whatever point she says, we're like, oh, that's why they think that way. Or maybe there is more learning they have to do to, or more ownership they have to take or whatever the case may be as women. So we're, we're, we're saying that, that it's validating this conversation for us. And you guys are saying, well, it's not that simple as that, right? Like it's, it's not as simple or not as easy to, to just say, just own everything. Like, you know, maybe there is a certain level of ownership, but there's also a certain level of you got to understand as a husband or as a, as a boyfriend or whatever the case may be, what it takes to actually make this thing work. So all, I think it's, I think it's not I think before we had this conversation, it was like, yeah, they do need to do better. What's wrong with them? Like we were over here, like kind of having that rah rah moment. But I think as we're having more intellectual conversations about it, we're like, you know what? I can see how I can work in this area. And but also she can also own this area and we could both be doing this and it would be fruitful for both of us right 
So one last thing I want to ask before we hop off of the podcast today. Um, what do you think about women saying or believing I am the table? You know how people say, yes. you know, what do you bring to the table? What do you have? You know, what, what do you offer to the table? This, 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 this kind of thing, right? Um, what do you believe or feel about being the table? I am the table. I don't got to bring nothing but myself because I'm all this in the back. Look, yeah, exactly. Edwina is, yeah, I'm all of this and you need to bring yourself because I'm, where, where do y'all fall in line in that conversation? Hair flips and everything. Do you feel, do you feel, do you feel that that's a valid statement for women? Do you feel it's about that's a valid statement for women, or do you feel like it's like, oh, they that's just a, a popular culture saying that's not really true for women? Can I give my contrary opinion first, and then I'll let the lovely ladies clean it up because I'm probably a different viewpoint than they do. John, I'll be honest with you, I hate that saying so much, <laughs> like with a passion. And I, me too. Uh, but go ahead. <laughs> the, the reason I hate it so much is because. Who, who can support that? Because you're projecting to the world that you need nothing. You need no one. Right? And I feel like that does more damage to any type of relationship than even poor communication. You need to feel needed. Your partner, whoever you're in a relationship with, needs to feel needed. Like, that's that's kind of like the base level of, of partner of what brings you together is I, like you love that person you need to be you know you desire to be around them you need to i feel like constantly projecting like i am the table i am this i am that you got to be this that or it's like who who could like from a beginner like, like take the fact that i'm a married woman out of the equation all of that like i just feel like if i was a single woman and that's how i walked around what guy would want to approach me if he doesn't feel like, cause I mean, guys and y'all can correct me if I'm wrong, but like y'all are like hardwired to be protectors, hardwired to be providers, hardwired, you know, like just in a general sense. Right. So it's like, if I'm saying I am the table, I am this, I am that, and you gotta be this, that or the third before you can step to me, who's stepping to me? I'm going to be single for a long time. Like, you know what I'm saying? That's just how I feel about it. Like, I just feel like at the base level, before you even talk about being, like, getting into that relationship, just, like, that doesn't even make you approachable, I think. And mm. I think that it also kind of projects that you're not really even open to any of the other stuff we just spent the last hour and a half talking about. Like, you don't you don't seem to be open to any level of self-work, being told that you're wrong, being told that there's also more to life than being this table. Like, I just feel like that you just project all the things that are so opposite of why people desire to be in relationships. Like at the base level, I feel like we desire to be in, rela in relationships, not just for, you know, coloring or coloring things. Coloring means S-E-S. <laughs> yes. That's cold words. Cold words. <laughs> but you also desire... You know, long time listener, first time caller. That's what I'm talking about. Hey, you know what coloring means. Real fan. You also desire to be in a relationship because, like, you learn from your partner. You know what I'm saying? You learn different things. They expose you to different things. They open your mind to, you know, whether it's culturally, whether it's food, whether it's, you know, movies, whatever it is. So it's like, if you're projecting that, like, I'm this perfect human being that is everything, all that bag of chips, 
I just feel like you're not even approachable or open to the things that make a relationship a relationship. So every time, like, scrolling Instagram, scrolling reels, whatever, when I hear that sound bite, y'all, I cringe. Like, I, it's, it rubs me the wrong way because I'm just like, <laughs> since I get what you're saying and I, I and more power to you, you know, on the self-confidence and all that, but I just feel like you, you're not even realizing the message you're projecting. Right yeah, yeah. I, I definitely, I, I feel the same way. I, I can see the value and, and definitely knowing your worth. That's one thing. But I think just that whole statement, like I am the table, just the whole thing, it just has such a negative connotation that you don't need anything or anybody else. Um, and I want to say, like, you know, I'm, you know, heterosexual. Like I will say in a minute, I need a man. I'm not trying to lift nothing heavy. Help me out put this together. There's different stuff. I will say a minute. I will be a damsel in distress in a minute. I do it at work too. Help. <laughs> you know, put this together. I'm passing my male teachers in my department. Can you help me? Can you lift this? Can you kill this bug? You know, whatever, you know, that I may, that I may need or want. Can you clear Can you take the snow off my car? You know, can you put this light bulb up? Maybe I could do it, but I don't want to. I have a problem. No interest in, in perpetuating the stereotype of a strong black woman. Zero interest. Oh, yeah. Interest. You a whole podcast I mean, on that. I mean, the thing Several. is, I am, I am a strong, strong person, yes. you know, and I happen to be a black woman. But, but right. the, the narrative that that strong black woman projects is like, I can never be vulnerable. I can never right. be emotional. I can never, exp it's either I express myself too much or I don't talk enough. Or I like, I, I have zero interest in keeping up with everything that, right. that stereotype strong black woman. I can take mm -hmm. all these things. I can be, you know, take this to the chin, turn the other cheek. Zero interest. I want to, if I'm in a relationship, I want to, I want to cry. I want to be soft. I want to be overly feminine. I want my man to feel like he can be a man. You can do whatever you want for me. And guess what? I'm gonna let it happen, but I'm gonna also do for you. I can cater for you. I can cater to you. I can be, I have zero interest, zero interest in 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 being the whole table. Zero interest, zero interest. I will pull up a chair to your table happily. I will push the vision of your table. I will turn on the projector. John, like, you this know is, this is the commercial. This is this. I love it. I love it. You know it. what? It's funny. Like I'm, I'm, I'm really listening because I don't, I don't feel as strongly as you two feel about it. And I also very much heavily push back against the strong black woman stereotype, right? And so, like, while I, I, I guess I don't look at when people say I'm the table. I don't look at it as extreme as you all are projecting it. Like for me, I think it's, it's more of a movement, and I understand it. I mean, it's just like for me, I equate it to. Black girl magic, right? Or black power. I don't. I think that the 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 idea behind it is to to shed a light on the fact that for so long we've been taught that we have to pull up a seat, as as Angie said, to someone else's table. So then, what happens when someone takes that chair away or kicks it from underneath your feet? So that's kind of like the way that I look at um, this movement around. I am now. Do I walk around saying I am the table? No, I actually I don't think I ever have. And I do project that I'm a whole person. So I don't need, you know, like when Angie was talking, I heard you talk about needing, but I also heard you say the word desire. I actually want to desire my mate because I have been in a situation where I did need them. And what happens when they take away those resources that you need? What are you left with if you're not a whole person when you show up? 
And I think sometimes it's a huge burden to place on people to, you know, for them to complete you and to complete your life. So I think that, and again, and I, even me saying that, I don't mean it in a very extreme way. Like, of course, I'm like, oh, you complete, you know, you complete me, honey, you know, in a romantic sense. But at the end of the day, I have to do my self-work to be my whole person when I show up to any type of relationship. Otherwise, from me and from my experience, it sets me up to, you know, be at the whim and wishes of other people. And, you know, me leading in that way with the fact that, yes, I'm a whole person, so I desire you and I want you to compliment my life in that way. I don't have, like, I'm single right now by choice. Like, I don't have to be single forever. I do not have a, a shortage of um of suitors and um and, and and very high value men at that look my sister's laughing because you already know and i'm talking about value, right I'm, I'm just saying so i don't have to show up like oh i need you you know for a man to desire me no i show up like listen yes i absolutely want to partner with you right i absolutely want to contribute to your life in this way i absolutely want you to contribute to my life in this way and guess what i attract those types of men that actually want a high value woman and see a high value woman in me. And not that I'm the only type of high value woman, but I'm just saying that it doesn't discount or exclude women, you know, like me or even like women who, you know, proclaim to be the whole table. Um, I don't, but I'm just saying it doesn't exclude them from actually finding suitable uh, mates and being in healthy relationships when they show up as whole people. And, and you know what, Dr. Tony, I I love that, but just to clarify point a little further by saying like I don't mind pulling my seat up to another person's table. If you think about like a CEO roundtable, the CEO and all the big wigs sit at the same table. I can yeah. pull up to the CEO's table and still bring value to that table. Still be, you know, I can still be a. He might be CEO. I can still be CFO at that same table. Like you know, what I'm saying I'm not saying that because I want to pull my seat up to someone else's table that I'm saying that that's like undervalued or devalued. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I appreciate you making that point. So I, cause I don't want anybody to hear what I'm saying. And, and now, and I'm equating, you know, not wanting to be the table with like, I'm okay with being undervalued. Cause that's not the case. Like if you CEO, I'm still on that leadership squad. You see what I'm saying? Like I'm still, when I pull that seat up to the table, I'm still bringing value to that table. I'm not saying that what I bring to the situation is not, worthy of being i'm just saying that i don't i'm i'm good with like not walking around feeling like it's it's ceo and i and i don't need a co-ceo because i need a co-ceo and think about sis and, and you know what you know what, thank you for clarifying that i didn't take it that way but i know that a lot of folks will and that's why i started you know my point about the fact that for me i even though i don't walk around saying that i understand that it's a movement i understand why that movement exists it exists because for too long as women we've been told that that's all we can do you know mm -hmm. i pull up my seat to many tables and i still got my own table over here i'm pulling up my seat to to this podcast i got my own podcast over there you get what i'm saying so that's what i mean i'm i work in other people's schools i got my own business over here and so but for too long as women we've been told that the only thing we can do is pull up to other people's table. And I don't think that there should be, you know, they should be mutually exclusive as I just shared. You know, mm -hmm. I think that two, both realities can and should exist. And that's where I talked about like being whole. I can be whole and still pull your puzzle piece up to the side of my puzzle. We make an even bigger puzzle, an even beautiful, more beautiful picture, right? So it is not, but I, I think that sometimes for me, things that I've seen um, in social media around pushback around women, especially black women, 
you know, because we get it extra hard, you know, um, when we start to move in that manner, you know, people got something to say about black girl magic. What does that mean? You know, it's like we have to understand why some of these, you know, movements even exist and realize that they are anti-oppressive movements. And and so instead of, you know, maybe classifying them on one end of a spectrum or one, you know, opposite end of a spectrum from another, you know, just recognizing and appreciating, oh, this is a platform so that other women can feel like, yes. I can be the whole table. It does not mean that I can't sit at somebody else's as well. All right. So last thought with Edwina. Thank you. <laughs> um, so, yes, I hear everybody. And my first thing was with the whole, like, what does this even mean? What somebody say, like, come to the table? Like, what does the table represent? And so I'm always coming with, like, questions like that. Like, that's always because I need to know, like, clarify for me in your mind, like, what does this mean when you ask, like, what do you bring to the table? What is the table? Um, so in hearing that for me, I, I I saw a table in the metaphor of wholeness and like what Tony was saying, like, I am like my own table as in I'm coming as a whole person. Um, and I also see it as and it's not that I'm saying like I don't need anybody else, but technically I really don't need, <laughs> you know, it's not a need. I think I'm doing pretty well by myself. Um, and so it is, I feel like when when we're coming together, what relationship whatsoever, this whole representation of table I see as to like wholeness coming together. And we're not coming to complete each other, but it's like, I'm coming as my whole self, you're coming as your whole self. And yes, that desire or that need um, is something where uh, I don't want to be like, I don't want to be by myself or I don't uh, want to do these things or whatsoever. And yes, you can offer these things to me, but it's not per se that I technically need um, anything from from someone else uh, providing for myself. Um, so that's how I see it. Like I just for me, it was just a, like a wholeness thing. It wasn't whatever that people were seeing, like little pieces or puzzles or whatsoever. That's that's just my two I'm, cents on the matter. I'm going to challenge a little bit because I'm with Jeremiah. Normally, and I'm broad strokes. I'm speaking broad strokes. Just talk, Terrence. <laughs> broad strokes. I got to say, because I don't want Angie punching me in my face. Let her punch right? you. Go ahead and say it. So, broad strokes. <laughs> no, the, the, the reason why I hate the pushback from the question is usually the responses that, that, that are met with it. I'm the, like, when a woman says, Draw strokes. When I'm the table, I got my own job. I got my own car. I I I can I can buy my own things. I'm a CEO. I, I got this. I got this. I got all of that, etc. Which is why the and men are like, that's cute. That's props to you. I don't care about none of that. And and our most real men could care less about the like that. What it what it becomes for me is yo hats off because. Like legit, you 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 worked your grass off. You deserve it. You've earned it. All etc. But when when we when I as a man ask, what do you bring for me? It's not going to be any of your your tangible accolades because that's what you do for you, and that's what you work for you. Your accolades have no place here. Now I'm gonna flip that a little bit. Don't get me wrong. I'm only speaking for me. Like I said again, my wife makes six, makes more than me. Make makes sense. And so. It's it, it would be very difficult for me as a man. I can't have no stay at home woman. It just ain't gonna happen. It's just it's like it's just like I'm I'm doing I'm doing all this rah rah about what you bring to the table. I'm be very clear. You could not be at home and be with me. It's just I, I'm just not gonna do it. I'm just 
Because at that point, I first of all, I need you to have a come up a certain level of academia. And at that point, you went to school and do all that, and you didn't get no job. That's not gonna make sense to me. <laughs> that making sense to me. So that's just me. <laughs> it just don't make sense. But what I'm saying to say is that is that most men we care about the peace, we care about the compassion, we care about you not jumping to conclusions, we care about you being loving, we care about you being kind, we care about you being. So when we say that, are you those those are you? If you lead with that, and you say I bring that to the table, oh shoot, the, now we talking. Okay, game on. Like like I'm hearing you all talk. I, 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 as I'm hearing you all talk today, I like I tend to like to I do a lot of self work. When I hear that from a woman, you do yeah. self work. Sure, that's, an now anomaly. You, that's yeah. you, you're breaking something to the table. Like yeah. makes sense. But when you lead that discussion with, I own my own this, I own my this, and for most men that has, that just doesn't have a place in us. Which is why I shy away from the question because the, and but to Dr. Tony's point, and I was going to end with this point my last thing today anyway. I understand where that statement comes from, and I also understand this is not an opinion; it's a fact. Men are to blame for that. Period. It's not debatable; it's indisputable. Men are to blame for the way we've oppressed women for centuries, just like white people are to blame for the way they oppress black people for centuries. It doesn't mean everything black people do is right, but there's a causality, and so I understand the causality of why where the statement comes from. It is men's fault and men's fault alone. Because had women been equal, we wouldn't need equity. Mm-hmm. But they I, hadn't I, been. I agree that it's men's fault, but I think the other side of this coin, which we don't have the time to go into all of this today, we, we have to bring y'all back or something. But the other side of this coin is what will this narrative become, especially with the lack of communication that already occurs in which we've had to unpack for the sure. past hour and a half. If we're not taking the time to unravel what these things even mean, mm-hmm. and everybody has their own interpretation of it, and then my daughters are looking to get married to somebody and they don't even know what to look for because they're like, well, I'm, I got my own table. I think I'm the whole table. I think like they don't even, they don't even know why or what the table is or who, who's the table, what's the man supposed to bring. Yeah. And I think yeah. just as equally, we, we are diminishing the role of the black man too. Sometimes it may be a secondary conversation to this conversation, but we are diminishing to some degree oh, yeah. what the man can bring and provide when we create a narrative of like, well, I don't need a man. You know, what do I need a man for? I think, and I've had that thought about, I don't need a woman. I've, I've had that thought, you know, a bunch of times where I say, I don't need a woman. I don't know how true those thoughts are. And I think regulating those conversations through um, these type of endeavors is a start, right? Like, do I need a woman? I don't know. Depends on what we're saying the table is. Is, is the table, you bringing your finances and your uh, accolades and your business stuff to the to the conversation? Or is it the intangibles that Terrence was kind of speaking of? Of I've, I'm kind, I work on myself. I, I look at, uh, I have self-awareness and I do have some value systems here and there. Like, those things matter, like, too, right? So I think the conversation is so, it's so layered, it's so layered, and I think the, where I, I want to be careful of as as we keep going in this whole world of like craziness, is not allowing things to just be spewed out, and we're like, oh yes, yeah, sis, oh yes, yeah, sis, and we all have different. We look at the same quote or the same statement on social media, but everybody has a different perspective of the same exact thing, and we're all saying yes, yeah, sis, from different, totally different vantage points and, and totally different um, thought processes, right? All those things really, really matter. Is that is that a fair? So. Thought we can agree. Okay, go ahead, Mike. You had the last last word. So, so I would like to think, or I would I would like to see that the narrative changes at some point. Like there's a time and place for everything, right? So I, I get 
women being the, like I am the table type thing in reference to like self growth, the accolades, all those different things. But when you talk about relationship status, those tables go out the window. We're building a whole nother table. So, so what do you like bring to that table that we are collectively sitting at? Like with the, uh, the example that Angie gave as far as like, okay, pulling up a seat to the table with, you know, you CEO, I'm CEO, like, let's, let's do this thing. Mm -hmm. But as individuals, yeah, you can have your own table. That's all good. I, I, I think of it as like, like, um, like picnic tables or like if you had a cookout or something like that and you got four people at one table, but okay, we got more people coming. Let's join these tables together so we can all have a seat. Um, and it turns into a whole nother table, right? It changes the dynamics of the table. So I, I think, um, like I said, having individual tables is cool, but once it comes to like building a relationship, that's a whole nother table, a whole nother foundation, a whole nother grounding that we're starting with together. Yeah. Um, yes, this has been a very great conversation. Um, there's so much, like we said, layered depth to these, these type of things. And I appreciate um, BGSO, Black Girls Sound Off. Is that correct? Brown girl sound off. Brown girl, girl. sound. I, I knew I was close, man. I didn't want to mess it up, but uh, brown girl sound off. Um, they have a podcast. Uh, Dr. Tony, Edwina, and Nafisa. I said it right, Nafisa. You did. All right, have a podcast together. Um, so take some time to check out their podcast. It's on YouTube. I've had a chance to check out some episodes. Actually, Thanos was right. Was actually on one of those uh, episodes. That fool was on there for whatever reason. They decided to bring him on. Um, Angie, I don't know why they brought him on. thank you so much for um, joining the podcast with us as well. Your view, uh, your views and vantage point was was very much appreciated. All of your views. Um, and vantage points was, was like it was awesome because it really provided some sense of depth to the conversation that we could never have brought. We are all men. Absolutely. We all think kind of the same way. And so having all of your lady, your, your all the thought processes and the way you think about things and your perspectives, it really provided a good a good uh, sense of uh, conversation. Do you guys have anything last that you want to say? No, just thank, just thanks for having us and, and thanks for providing this platform for us to do just what we did, be in community and engage in conversation. Love it. Yeah, Any, thank anyone you. else? Perfect. Thank y'all so much. Um, listen, guys, thank y'all for checking out the podcast. Check out uh Brown Girl Sound Off. Check out Relentlessly Real Podcast, of course. And the Narrow Road Podcast. I meant to say, John, I checked out a sn snippets. Fire. So please check out uh John's new podcast, the Narrow Road Podcast. It's dope. Dope, thank dope, you. dope, dope. Yes, dope. thank you so much. Yeah, I just started a new podcast called the Narrow Road Podcast. And it's on YouTube. It's on uh, all platforms where podcasts exist. We appreciate you guys' support. As always, we love you. God bless you. And we'll talk to y'all soon.